0: Hello and welcome to the Six Figure Developer Podcast, a podcast where we talk about new and exciting technologies, professional development, clean code, career advancement, and more. I'm John Calloway. I'm Clayton Hunt. And I'm John Ash. Today, we're going to be talking about tech debt, what it is and
1: how to manage it.
2: Yeah, so I guess the first question is, so what what is tech debt? Um, Can we offer a pretty decent definition? Do you guys have one or would you like me to give the wiki definition?
0: I think we need to go straight to the wiki.
2: While you're doing that,
1: I know we've talked about this topic at least once before, I think, right? I'm going to guess that we also cover the, and it's good to cover the wiki definition uh, to get like a proper definition of tech debt. But I think like most developers, when they hear tech debt, they just think pain and stuff in my way that's preventing me from being able to work, right?
2: Yeah, yeah. And that's one of the things I wanted to talk about uh, today as far as. And I, I liked when we had
0: Doc Norton on where he made the distinction between technical debt and cruft. So I wonder if the the Wikipedia definition has that type of nuance to it.
2: All right. So it says it's also known as design debt or code debt, uh, but it is a concept in software development reflects the implied cost of additional rework caused by choosing an easy or limited solution now instead of using a better approach that would take longer. So I I think that that's a pretty decent definition. Um, And I also... I kind of want to talk, um, so, uh, I'd like, I'd like the idea, uh, of cruft versus tech debt, but at the same point, um, I feel like it may not be like, it may be a valid distinction as far as like the kind of, uh, where, some things came from like where where some of that additional cost comes from, and sort of the reasoning behind it, but it may or may not matter as from from the like this is what exists, and the fact that there might be um like the effect that it has on the code, the effect that it has on the developers, so the effect might be the same, so even though it's coming from different places um i I wonder if the effect is the same, which is why I sort of think the tech tech debt ends up becoming the sort of catch-all
1: i i like to look at it a little bit differently i mean in the end i can see where you're coming from and it does kind of feel that way but if you think of it more like tech debt is choosing a quick or a, a um is choosing like the most basic sort algorithm instead of doing a quick sort or a merge sort um, because you have limited time and you need to get the product out, right? So you're choosing a less efficient thing that you can get done quicker, but you're still writing it well. Like you're not, you're not abandoning your processes, you're just choosing the shortcut instead of the, instead of the long way um, to get the product out. Later, you would come back as part of your tech debt and change that over to be a more efficient sorting algorithm. That's the way I like to think of it, most of the times, like cruft is what happens, and cruft is the thing that's being called tech debt, and that is just what I would call bad programming people not not taking any time to care about what's going on at all maybe maybe they're in the weeds, but they're just writing code without without adhering to any kind of um real standard
2: yeah i I think that that's reasonable um the the problem that I the problem that I have and maybe maybe it is imp- it is appropriate to call out the differences between the two, uh, but the problem that I have is that both exist and the latter exists in far greater supply.
1: Oh, there's yeah, there's way more cruft than actual tech debt, like consciously decision made tech debt.
0: Yeah, and, and Clayton, to your point, um, speaking of, of businesses choosing to do the things that they m- must. Meet market demand. You know, we 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 have to make sure that we deliver the these features in this amount of time. We understand that that might incur some technical debt, as it applies to uh, scalability, as it applies to automation, or something to that effect. Um, and I think that that is an appropriate conversation to have. It, it is open and honest. It is uh, you know forward thinking enough. To, for the business folks, for the company, for the organization to say, we understand what we're asking. We understand that we are going into debt for this. We understand that we will need to pay that down or pay that off in the future. But to, to the, to the other point, a lot of what is discussed as technical debt is very often cruft. And, and Ash, I, I think it is an important distinction and, and maybe it, maybe it doesn't matter in the grand scheme of things that are, it are These are things that need to be addressed, but it is important to, to understand that technical debt that the business takes on in order to meet a specific goal or milestone is one thing. Cruft as it applies to, uh, taking shortcuts or misunderstanding requirements or, uh, just not following, um, best practices, whether, uh, accidentally or, or on purpose uh, is, is a different matter altogether because that is me as a developer taking out a loan or, or taking, taking on tech debt on behalf of the company with their knowledge or not.
1: Yeah,
2: skimming a little off the top. I also wonder about can any of the intentional tech debt, so tech debt that we're talking about, not cruft, can that left in the code also cause additional cruft what we would really consider more cruft because when we think about uh, because so yes we made me rewrite the solution and it's the it's the solution that we can get out the door faster um, and it's well it's well written for what for what we're doing but it's maybe overly complex or it has some use cases that don't work well and don't work well. And so we have to write, we have to like deal with some adverse side effects or, or something like that. And we just say, well, we accept those side effects. But then because no one comes back to pay it back, you in the, in the long run end up having to write like extra bits of pieces of, code that deal with those side effects and that deal with the accepted consequences of those things but that only creates a more obscure even though it may be well written as well written as you can but the actual architecture of the problems of the solution that solves that problem is complicated and complex to understand and so therefore it's just going the next person that comes along doesn't understand it quite as well and they then can't it's obscured for them, so they can't actually operate, um, and so they sort of degrade the code value, the code that's there, even though they were wor- they were operating under their like best ability. Because tech debt not paid down becomes the standard to which we continue.
0: Right? If, if we if we see an example of we need to uh, implement a new feature, and we see the feature that mimics it or is very similar to that that we've already implemented. We can use that as our basis for this This is how that, that uh, architecture is, is acceptable. This is how that feature is implemented. Right or wrong, that becomes the new standard. And if that is just more debt piled on top of old debt, then, then that be- can become a larger issue.
2: And it just becomes complex when you also have cruft that's left in there also becomes the standard. Um, cruft allowed becomes the new standard and the, nec- the next person replicates the cru- cruft, but probably to a lesser degree.
1: Yeah, that's, uh, that's compound interest on bad investments.
0: <laughs> and we've been dancing around a little bit. Why don't we go ahead and try to define, better define the, the types of tech debt that we're, that we're discussing here?
1: Uh, all forms? It, like So even like common vernacular tech debt as well? Sure. Or, or, or our personal belief of what tech debt is and isn't? Let's go for all of it. <laughs> okay, I mean, at the, at the simplest, when, when most developers and most business people are speaking of tech debt, they simply mean that the code is hard to work on. And when, they, when the business is asking for more stuff to be done, the estimates continue to get longer because the developers can't work. So it's any, anything that causes that situation is is generally what people are meaning when they say tech debt, even though it, it could be tech debt or it could be cruft or it could be something else.
2: Okay. So then um, if we were to like ratchet in on that, what we are saying, what is good tech debt or what is not to, to retract that, what is tech debt? what is what is Acceptable. The, what we accept the definition of tech debt the limited scope of the definition of tech debt is deliberate intentional design choice with with a caveat
1: i'm going to say the caveat is with good communication throughout the team because if the business is making a deliberate technical debt decision and they don't inform the development team then the development team interprets that as tight deadlines, and they get in the weeds, and they start doing cruft, which is, is the really, really bad uh, common vernacular tech debt.
2: Okay, okay. So you, would you say that cruft is accidental, or would you say that, or unintentional, or would you say that cruft is intentional in that case by the developers?
1: I, I would like to think that it's unintentional, so so to me there's two types of cruft. There is I didn't know any better and um I was in a rush and I made bad decisions. Um both of them are are bad. Uh one of them is fixable. Like you can you can teach somebody who just didn't know any better. If somebody is allowing themselves to get flustered and in the weeds and just rushing and making bad decisions, that's more difficult to fix because it's like it's an actual like mental issue that they are unable to cope with the current level of demand.
0: OK, I, I would say that one of those is teachable and the other is coachable. OK, I yeah, think sure. that, that that second would be a coachable opportunity, hopefully. Um, you know, that is, you know, we, we we're all on the same we're all on the same team. We're all operating with the same deadlines. Let's, let's slow down. Let's take a step back. Let's figure out if there are ways around uh, adding Cruft to the system. Let's figure out if there are ways that we can discuss with the broader team, with the broader, broader business, if it's an opportunity to, to, to change and adjust, adjust timelines, change and, change and adjust scope. You know, what, what is it that we can address that would make the day-to-day easier?
1: And I just want to point out that both of those solutions... Require good communication on the team.
2: Uh, and another question I have is like, uh, so when you guys are talking about cruft, uh, is cruft just. Um, it's developers doing bad stuffs. Poor, well, like poor written code, or is it like poor design of code? Or it can be either.
1: It is either. It's It's code that makes it more difficult to continue work. So it could be it could be poorly written, in which case it's not easily read. Maybe it's inefficient, um, and it's difficult to uh, refactor. Or it could be poorly designed, which could actually mean that it is tech debt if it was intentionally poorly designed as a shortcut to deliver faster, with the intent of coming back and doing a redesign to a much more optimal process or or flow.
2: But if it was just like an accidentally, I didn't know a better solution. So this I didn't is know a better solution, or or I wasn't thinking. Yeah, then, then that would be Croft. What do you guys think about the term bit rot or code rot, software entropy? I think it's a valid concept. It happens more
1: in the code that is being changed more often. I feel like I, I don't. I don't. So it, <clears throat> I guess it depends on how you're looking at it. If you look at it as a code that's been left alone suffers from from bit rot, meaning that the patterns that were used when that code was written are out of date or the structure of the system is out of date or the whatever. And so when you go back, even though it's in your chosen language, it's still difficult to
2: work with. I mean, like the domain information also is gone and it doesn't reflect that domain information very well.
1: Yeah. I mean, up until the point where you need to work on it, it hasn't actually rotted in my mind. It, you didn't, there was no need for a change. And if it was well-written when it was originally created, like if it was created in this, this uh, golden realm of no tech debt, which pretty much doesn't exist. But if it was created there and you haven't needed to touch it, then it hadn't actually rotted until you, until you actually needed to go and make a change because the domain changed or something. Uh, so I don't really count that as rot. But if the code is being manipulated constantly and continuously getting worse, then I would count that as rot. It's like it's
2: mutating into like this festering pile of code. And this is a more case for cruft because we're basically saying if you are the developer, you should be bringing it to a better, like you, you should be implying putting your intelligence to making the code and form it into something more intelligent. But if you're allowing it to for bit rot to take place, then you're effectively not doing that, right? Like rot has to degrade and you're doing the one you're the one who's checking this the, the changes in. So if, if those changes are causing it to be degraded, then you're the one causing those degrade. So that to me would be cruft, right? Yeah, it's it's
1: you and your team taking a piece of code, whether it's a, a function or a whole program, and there's like this little little bad nugget of code in there, a dust bunny. And over time, as the code is manipulated, that dust bunny grows and grows and grows. And the negative effects of the style or the choices or whatever it is about that code that's bad spread to the rest of the system. That, to me, that's that's what I would call bit rot. It just continually gets worse. And the way that you fix it, of course, is you clean house every time you you go in the house. So... If you're modifying code, always try to make the code a little bit better than it was when you got there. Now, you, you may make a bad choice. You may not actually do it, but you're trying, and the next person can come along and do the same and try and make it better.
0: So follow the Boy
1: Scout rule. Clean yeah. up after yourself, make it better than, than the, the state in which you found it. Yeah, even if it's just renaming a variable to make more sense. It doesn't, you don't have to go in and refactor the whole class or the whole program or whatever. Just, you know, just a little bit, just to make it a little bit better.
2: So what is
0: the effect of tech debt? Uh, New
2: job. (laughs) Yeah, uh, so I I guess when I was kind of getting ready, and we can talk about both of these, but the things that were most um, apparent to me is that you're obviously making development more difficult, right? Like that's sort of the implied piece of tech debt. And it was also the outcome of Cruft is it adds cost to doing that development, um, but it it's more than just time, developers' time. I think that there's a different, there's additional pieces to that cost. So the business sees tech debt only in the cost of the developer time, but I think the developers themselves also have additional costs that they put in um, in not just their time, but also like mental mental stress or mess, mental wear, like weariness um, of dealing with. Uh, things that that don't work well. And that's an important distinction, too, though, is that does
0: it increase the cost? If we're talking about upfront cost, it it could very well make software development cheaper to, uh, to incur tech debt, to incur certain amounts of cruft, because you can get it out the door faster with potentially less effort where what we've found and and what the studies have shown though is that the true cost of ownership the true cost of software is in maintenance and support i mean uh, 75 to 85% of cost of ownership of software projects is in maintenance and ongoing un, ongoing support
1: yeah if you if you treat each each new project or each new yeah, okay i'll stick with project so you treat each new project as a as a a new starting business Right, So to get the project out, to get the business started making money, maybe you take a few shortcuts, right? So you take out that loan to get the business going, to get it jump started. But then you immediately want to pay off that loan so that the business can actually make money. And the same thing is true with software projects is you need to, whatever whatever you did so that you could be first to market or whatever the case may be, you need to consciously go back and fix those things because... The, the cost of having that tech debt in there is longer times to release, and it grows. so you may not see it at first, but if you leave it in there for a few years, you'll definitely see it, right and so it's it's the time to release new features. It's potentially the cost to host that application. You know there are some of the tech debt uh, decisions. Um could actually make the code less efficient and therefore cost more computing cycles and therefore cost more money to the business so you're you're eating at your revenue every every day that you have some types of tech debt in the system. Um, and then, of course the the worst cost of tech debt is is that team morale. Um, even if it's not costing more on the server and it's not delaying features, your team is suffering for it, and eventually, your team will go to another company, and you'll just be standing there going, "Why? what happened? I don't understand? Why is everybody so upset
0: what what is what is the the suffering there that 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 affects team morale when we're talking about tech debt or, or cruft i I feel like we feel pressure
1: to to succeed. Most developers that i that I know, even if they don't have like the highest self-esteem, they are or they believe themselves to be good at what they do. So when the business asks them to do something and they fail, it is a mental stress. And it's a mental stress that, com- that compounds itself. So every time you fail, the failure is worse. It's harder. I've, I've been at companies where I've failed for, for months. And I remember telling people that I worked with, like, I just, I just need a win. I need something to go right. And then, and then I'll feel better. Uh, But it, I mean, it seriously affected my ability to develop. So like, even though let's say the code, let's say in this system, there was no quote unquote tech debt, but there was pressure from the business. And that pressure from the business meant that I was continually failing to hit deadlines. And that's, you, you can't, you can't live with that for very long and still be a quality developer who's happy and effective. Uh, Same thing applies to tech debt. It's the same basic outcome is the developer feels like they're failing. And the first thing that they'll do is they'll start putting in extra hours so that they're not failing. That extra hours adds to stress as well. And the businesses who are guilty of abusing tech debt, they will always push the developers to deliver more than the developer says they can deliver. Like always. So if you tell them three weeks, they'll tell you two. If you tell them two weeks, they'll tell you one. It doesn't matter what you say. They're going to ask for it sooner. And if you can't say no, then you're, it's just going to stress you out. It's just a bad, bad, bad situation. And uh, sometimes it's on purpose. Like the company is purposefully, like they don't trust you. So they're, they're pushing you harder because they, they think you're lying to them. And sometimes it's, they just don't understand what's going on. But it all has basically the same effect it burns out the developers and the developers uh, quit, go to another company, or sometimes even change
0: careers. So how do we manage it? How do we manage tech debt or or manage cruft incurred in software development? To me, I think it depends on the stage.
1: Like what stage the cruft slash tech debt is at?
2: Yeah, so I've heard a lot when we say tech debt. Again, just to go back to our definition, tech debt is uh, that intentional design Choice that we, we make in communication with the business to say we're gonna we're gonna do this in order to get this out faster. What it sounds like is that if you take that route, you can't leave it there. So how quickly do you pay that off is the way to manage that good tech debt or that tech debt.
1: <laughs> if it's actually well thought out, planned, communicated tech debt, and everybody knows it, then yeah it has to be paid back the The plan to pay it back has to be in the release schedule. So like okay, we're going to release, and then we're going to observe the release, make sure we did the right thing, and then we're going to fix the tech debt. So there might be a sprint or two where you're observing the effects of the release, assuming you're doing sprints. There, there might be a month of observing the release and then and then you go and you fix the tech debt. Because you, now you've confirmed you've made the correct decision with your release, and now you want to harden that release so that it is done well to be efficient on the servers and to be easy to work with so that you can now extend and, and add more. Um, if, it's, if it's the bad kind of tech debt where it's not communicated and it's not planned, um, a lot of teams do like tech debt sprints where they're just like, "Well, the developers are saying it's bad, so we got to we got to fix it, we got to clean it up." Um I don't I don't know about your experience. I haven't seen those go super great. My personal preference for tech debt is the boy scout rule. For cruft. Uh, yes, for, for cruft. Both. Yeah, yeah, yes. bad bad tech debt. For like, if there's like planned communicated tech debt, then you do the you do the cleanup. Uh, cycle which is like intentionally we're going to rewrite this we knew that it was a spike we knew that it was tech debt. we're going to rewrite this whole thing or we're going to rewrite this section because that's the section that we agreed to to be tech debt you know however however you've worked it out but that's you know you've communicated well about it most of the time that's not the case and you have a more of a cruft situation and i think the boy scout rule is the best way to handle cruft um, as long as the business will allow the team some leniency to deal with the issues um, with the craft and to clean it up a little bit, a lot of times. So as okay, I'm I'm of the mind that if there's craft, you just give the business a longer estimate. So so when
2: <laughs> when you go to change something or when you have to fix something, you handle that craft then as well. Right.
1: Yeah. Like, okay, you look at the, you look at the work item and you go, okay, that's a two. It's going to take me a day and a half, but you know what? I know there's some cruft around that. So I'm going to say three days and I'm going to take care of some of that cruft too. Some teams like this. Some teams don't like this. That comes to a, to a dev and, and maybe even a a whole team communication. If you have a healthy uh, team, maybe you inherited the tech debt from some other team. I don't know. If you've got bad communication, then, then you just have to do what you can to clean up near what you have. And it's going to take forever. But if, if you don't get the whole team on board, though, it's not going to work. Like every developer on the team has to be behind the cleanup effort.
2: How? Do, so I guess one other question I have is like in that management, and maybe this is sort of jumping to our point number five, but like does the approach change when we have a different level of tech debt slash and or cruft, right? Like, so when you have a little bit of tech debt, you can manage it and, because you can say, yes, we chose to put that in there, and then here we are choosing to take it out. When you have a lot of tech debt that you haven't paid off after a while, at what point can you just simply say, sometimes that tech debt, in the, like has entangled with other tech debt and that's and it's entangled with by cruft that's entangled those tech debts and so you are at a point where you're no longer just simply paying off one piece of tech debt that you had intentionally put in there because it's been in the system so long uh, or you had people that don't know how to program or don't didn't do a very good job at it whatever whatever that was creating bad cruft code at, at some point, like it almost feels overwhelming. When do you say, I give up?
0: When do you assemble the Tiger Team and, and, and bite off the the big rewrite <laughs> in the sky? I, I was just, list, just today listening to, to our episode 200 where we were talking about our devil's advocate uh, topics where we talked about Tiger Teams and B- Big Bang rewrites and things like that. But I think what you're asking is, how do you get out of the hole if you find yourself deep in that compounding interest of bad tech debt on top of cruft on top of more bad debt.
2: Yeah. Does Boy Scout rule just still work? Like, or is it the interest rate too high? I don't know how many developers you got writing <laughs> bad code as
1: fast as they can. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay. So I, I also want to point out, like we're talking about cruft here. Um, my cruft might be, uh ashes. Um, golden standard of best code he's ever written and same thing the other way around. So, so there is, there is a little bit of opinion there. The only, the only true measurement of, of, um, so there's, you know, we have our, our view of quality code, but like good code, the best measurement is performance on the server at, you know, in production. If it, if it's highly performant, it doesn't break and you can still work on it. That's good code. I just want to throw that out.
0: <laughs> like I, I think if we get back to Clayton, I think your to your point, it involves a lot of good communication. If if you find yourself deep in that hole, I think it's worthwhile to bring it up to the team. And hopefully you've got a team that can have those open and honest communications and say, this is the hole that I'm finding myself in. When I open this file or this feature, when I look into this code base, I have a lot of anxiety. I have a lot of difficulty navigating. I think it would be worthwhile if we focus some time and effort on on cleaning some of this up and identifying the the potential problems that we may have or that whether that's uh just maintainability whether that's performance whether that's uh something else that you might identify along the way, but I think it's important that we do have those conversations and we are able to to identify the the items that we need to address,
1: yeah absolutely um I, With the developers I work with, I, I I maybe fail, but I try to get to a point where it's... Uh, and I haven't always done this, but I try to get to a point where it's, it's blameless uh, questioning of the code. Like, question everybody's code. Um, it doesn't matter who wrote it, how big shot they are, how junior they are. None of that matters. If you don't understand something, suggest a change. And you know whenever if it's your code that's being requested to change for just you know accept that regard it could be like the most beautiful code you you think you've ever written but that person doesn't understand it or that person thinks that there might be a performance issue with it so you need to evaluate it from those conditions not you know you got to put your put your uh, pride on the on the on the tabletop and just leave it alone
0: yeah and to that point i, I found if we're talking about just pure code reviews or pull requests and things like that, I found as much value going to the most senior of us and getting the most critical review of how to improve the code as much as going to the most junior of us and saying, do you understand this? How can I improve it? How can I make it uh, readable, maintainable, something that we can reason about?
1: I I love going to juniors because I don't know. They're in like this weird zone. Um, they're usually new enough to the field that they've been researching all kinds of weird stuff, and they know all like the cool techniques they're out right now. Where I'm like, "What's nougat? I don't get it." Um, <laughs> I do know what it is. I'm just saying. <laughs> but, but
2: what about like the you know the seniors that are juniors? You're so mean. Um, <laughs> but I, I like the fact a bit that of a week. <laughs> yeah, I like I like the fact that
1: when I go to a when I go to a junior they will not only ask me questions about how my code is working, but they might also suggest something that I didn't even know existed because they're just, they're keeping up with things, uh, you know, better than I can, at least in that category. Uh, So juniors are are a great font of, of
2: knowledge for code reviewing. Yeah. And I mean, I was make obviously joking around about that, but Mm -hmm. I I do feel like that this becomes a bit of a problem when you have (laughs) seniors that are juniors, because, when you're going to them for, for code reviews or whatnot, like the sometimes in, in those situations, a lot of times they have those individuals have hardened what their bad practice practices and viewpoints that they've sort of put in, put into place.
1: Yeah. What's the, what's the saying? The, 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 um, the apprentice, uh, has a world of options available. The master has one something like that. Where, like the, you like the master. They're really good at what they do, but they only do it that one way. Whereas like the apprentice may not have any idea what they're doing, but they've got a thousand different ways to do a thing in their head because they haven't figured out which one they like the most yet. Yeah. And that, and maybe those, maybe those developers you're complaining about are just masters who mastered that one way from, you know, 20 years ago.
2: Yeah. Well, yeah. And that, Maybe they went, they mastered a, a bad way. Like, what happens? I mean, and I think from a, I think that it's it's important also f- for us to be going to those juniors uh, as experienced developers, as experienced people, to 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 find out what find to see like the different ways that they are looking at the problem. Because again, it, it keeps us from becoming statically. Um, you know, like locked into the way that has worked for us. Right. Um, I found a way that worked for me and this is the way that I accept. And therefore now you, you, you have, and there, and there, there's preferences and there's like best practices. Right. And a lot of times I feel like you can even merge the two, you know, the more, the more senior you become, you, you, have said, well, this is the preference that works the best. I think so. Then yeah, you have a you have a best preference. Instead a, best of a best preferences. <laughs> yes, <laughs> um, but uh, I, I don't. And I, I don't. I feel like that that can create a ton of blind spot in identifying craft. Um, it can create a ton of uh, inability to um, allow, uh, which allows it to to build and and whatnot. So getting. Getting a diversity of viewpoints, getting a diversity of of um, looking at at your code bases was one of the th- the biggest issues. I think of having people siloed on single code bases. I don't care how good you are um, when you are the only one looking at the code. You don't understand how uh, un- unintelligible it is, right? Because you know it, you know it like the back of your hand. So um, it's really, really important for um, us to make sure that we like you said br- take it to take to other people and and seniors and devs or seniors and juniors alike are great to be able to comment on how how well can I understand this how well um, does is this communicated so, so getting getting back to the
1: the core of the question that was asked that kind of spurred our, our little sidetrack it's related but it was a little sidetracked. Uh, how to get out of the hole. I think that there are only a couple ways that are effective. The one that everybody's familiar with that uh, usually gets chanted in the hallways is the big rewrite, right? This stuff is so bad. We just need to rewrite the whole thing. It's a very long drawn out process. And a lot of times those big rewrites never even get released. Um, Which is sad. (laughs) 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 The, the second way is the the small rewrite so you target specific pieces of the application that you can break out individually and you do a big rewrite of that small piece so this this would apply if you have if you have planned tech debt like actually communicated planned uh, maybe even good tech debt that the company agreed to for a reason um then you can you can just replace that whole subsystem. Be like, well, we knew that this sorting algorithm was, was not the best sorting algorithm when we wrote it, but that's why we put it in an interface. And now we're going to have a sprint. We're going to redo the sorting algorithm. We're going to redo it the correct way, and we're going to drop it in and, and get, get rid of that old stuff. And, and then the last way is, to me, is the Boy Scout rule, which is just everybody always try to make the code a little bit better Around the area where whatever it is that you're doing uh, exists
2: yeah I, I think that that uh, I think those are excellent, and I think that uh, it's a hu- it's a big challenge when you say, let's do the small rewrite because I think that there can be code that is so difficult to change that it's difficult to to size that scope down to yeah to, to become small for certain sizes of small. You have to find the smallest size of small allowed. Well, I mean, so like
1: if if you are creating a new um, commissions platform, right? And you spike the commissions platform because it's not part of your current software. You want to test it out. You want to see if there's any interest and you want to see if people would use it, right? It could be part of your tech debt plan uh, to, uh, to spike out this whole system. And it could be a large system. But then to go back after you've confirmed that it is something you want and literally delete the whole thing and rewrite a new system correctly from the beginning, if that's part of your tech debt plan. But it has to be a plan like it has to you can't you can't rush out that system and not have planned to delete it and then come back later and be like, hey, we're going to do a big rewrite of this. Well, but we've tied it into like everything you know i mean so there has there has to be some planning involved for any level of rewrite unless unless you get
0: lucky so be like apple planned obsolescence
2: <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> i guess uh for some of the resources that we have for our listeners we'll we'll put links in the show show notes but we definitely have there's a pretty decent wikipedia entry uh, on it we also have uh, umar mansor has a great post on tech debt and then doc on the dev has another great post Post on tech debt versus cruft which is fantastic. So we'll uh, we'll link those again in the show notes. And of
0: course, dear listener, we would love to hear from you. So drop us a line. Uh, you can join us on our Slack channel. You can hit us up on Twitter. You can follow us on Twitch and interact with us in the chat. Um, find us on most of the social platforms. Uh, we would certainly love to hear from you.
1: If you like this episode,
0: please like, rate, and review on iTunes. Find show notes, blog posts, and more at SixFigureDev.com
2: And catch us live each week on Twitch and be sure to follow us on Twitter at SixFigureDev
0: This has been another episode of the Six Figure Developer Podcast helping others their potential
2: I'm John Calloway I'm Clayton Hunt and I'm John Ash